und willkommen to the Offside Rule WSL Edition. Confused by the European slant, you won't be a little bit later on as we round up the Continental Cup and talk women's football abroad as well. Myself, Kate Borsay and Lindsay Hooper here in the studio in the week that saw Liverpool's season slump even further and the Spanish champions lose 6-1 to their closest rivals. And in studio to help us along, the Attenborough of women's football. That's according to her own Twitter bio. Survivor of the murderous basement in Paris, which I remember very well. Uh, lover of WSL players as fruit, which Kate was a big fan of, I have to say. I also loved your video with the cat in it, where it kept getting in your way when you were trying yeah. to type. It's Sophie Lawson. Hello, Sophie. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> it's, it's, you can you basically see that, that that Sophie's appalled that we've dragged not only her Attenborough reference, but the cat, the fruit, and everything else that we'd want to throw at her. It's, it's my greatest hit. So I'm, yeah. <laughs> Here to celebrate that. Listen, talking about players as fruit, I, I must just, because I wasn't allowed to talk about this in previous podcasts because it was deemed superfluous. I think that's a mistake, Sophie, because we need to we need to add relevance to this. But I was most confused by Rosella Ayan, Tottenham player, saying that she's most like a cucumber because she is long. She's very tall. <laughs> is a cucumber a fruit like a tomato Yes, is? it is. Oh. It, it, that, yeah. Yeah. That's why she gets top marks, basically. Um, what else have you been up to, Sophie, apart from comparing WSL players to fruit? I mean, that has monopolised my time quite a bit. Uh, I've just gone uh, to Lewis for a couple of days to watch a couple of matches, come back from Lewis for a couple of days. Uh, yeah, so back and forth, just getting immersed in the Conti Cup. Fantastic. Well, talking of which, let's head into the Conti Cup. A breakdown then as to how the competition works. 23 teams from the WSL and the Championship make up the competition. The teams start out in groups, four in total, two northern groups and two southern, with teams only playing each other once. Yeah, the top two from each of the groups proceed to the quarterfinals and then the competition follows a more traditional structure, doesn't it, Sophie? It, it does. It goes into to a straight knockout, which is... By far and away, much more exciting. Yes, Um <laughs> It, it, it can just be a little slow sometimes at group stage. Uh, you end up with dead rubber, you end up with a lot of mismatches, which it, it's not terribly bad for second-tier teams, but it helps if, say, they're the home team and they can draw in a big crowd. If they're away, it just makes it harder for them. So, I think this bit is it, anybody who's watching any of these matches and they end in draws, I think this is most important that people get their head around that bit because it's got a unique point scoring system. So games that end in draws that go to penalty shootouts straight away at the end of 90 minutes. The team who wins on penalties gains two points whilst the team who loses on penalties still receives one. And I, I have to get my head around that. Yeah, well, it did happen in one of the games this weekend Bit of a nut system, though, Sophie. It's a bit odd, isn't it, to sort of break the rules of football by awarding points for losing a game? Well, technically they're drawing. Mm, yeah, I, I suppose so. I, you know, I think that the shootout is just there so that you end up with some, you know, a, a clear winner, even though it's been a draw, just to avoid any kind of ties at the end of the the group stage. I guess it keeps it all clean, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but what you're saying is basically for, for WSL clubs, it's a pretty, often a pretty easy route for them through these group stages. Most often, maybe there is a few, uh, an exception or two after this weekend. Interesting. Well, we aren't going to go through every single match in intense detail. Otherwise, we'll be here till next week as much as we'd love to. And we like being in a in a different sort of basement with Sophie, <laughs> high up. Um, anyway, uh, let's kick off the glamour tie of the round if we can call it that. This is the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. 
Well, Chelsea returned to Kings Meadow for their home tie against West Ham, where second-half goals from Bethany England and Goro Wrighton saw them run out 2-0 winners. Next up for Chelsea in the Conti Cup is a trip to Crystal Palace in October. Should be a good one. Hoops, talk about the performance, though, from Chelsea. What do we see? The first 45 minutes was very cagey. They weren't They weren't great. They weren't at the races at all. I, I thought that there was a bit of measuring each other up in that first 45. It was really obvious to me as well that Emma Hayes afterwards tweeted on social media to say about the standard of the league and how it is now such a high, you know, it's gone up a level, gone up a bar. Mm. And I think this was an example of that because I think they did find it difficult in that first half. I thought that the goals themselves, you know, it's great to see Bethany England scoring again. You've, you've got great players coming in, but half Half of my eye was on the bench as well. It was great to see Frank Kirby back on the bench. She actually got some time. She came on just after the hour mark. So to return from such an injury, having the the, the Lionesses coming back in like her into the side is exciting going forward. What's your take on Chelsea for this season, um, Sophie? And also West Ham, although the scoreline obviously favoured Chelsea, they did make a really good account of themselves, West Ham. And that follows on really from their performances in the league this season. I think, I mean, in terms of Chelsea, maybe we're going to see a little bit more like we did last season, where they're struggling for goals, even though that's exactly where they should be thriving. I'm, I'm not sold on them. I, I was at Stamford Bridge. I watched them against uh, Spurs. And again, it's they should be scoring more. But at the same time, Spurs could have had something from that game. So I'm not entirely sure where they're going to finish. But... Maybe they'll end up growing into the season a little bit more. I think it could be that case of, of them finding their feet a little bit more this season and then they it might just all click and then everything will happen. Well, on the pitch for this one, West Ham defend a friend of the podcast, I think we're allowed to say, Jilly Flaherty. She joins us on the phone now. Jilly, can we start by getting some reaction to that match from your... Bonjour and willkommen to the Offside Rule WSL edition. Confused by the European slant, you won't be a little bit later on as we round up the Continental Cup and talk women's football abroad as well. Myself, Kate Borsay and Lindsay Hooper here in the studio in the week that saw Liverpool's season slump even further and the Spanish champions lose 6-1 to their closest rivals. And in studio to help us along, the Attenborough of women's football. That's according to her own Twitter bio. Survivor of the murderous basement in Paris, which I remember very well. Uh, lover of WSL players as fruit, which Kate was a big fan of, I have to say. I also loved your video with the cat in it, where it kept getting in your way when you were trying yeah. to type. It's Sophie Lawson. Hello, Sophie. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> it's, it's, you can you basically see that, that that Sophie's appalled that we've dragged not only her Attenborough reference, but the cat, the fruit and everything else that we'd want to throw at her. It's, it's my greatest hit. So I'm, yeah. <laughs> Here to celebrate that. Listen, talking about players as fruit, I, I must just because I wasn't allowed to talk about this in previous podcasts because it was deemed superfluous. I think that's a mistake, Sophie, because we need to we need to add relevance to this. But I was most confused by Rosella Ayan, Tottenham player, saying that she's most like a cucumber because she is long. She's very tall. <laughs> is a cucumber a fruit like a tomato? Yes, is? it is. Oh. It, it, that, yeah. Yeah. That's why she gets top marks, basically. Um, what else have you been up to, Sophie, apart from comparing WSL players to fruit? I mean, that has monopolised my time quite a bit. Uh, I've just gone uh, to Lewis for a couple of days to watch a couple of matches. 
come back from Lewis for a couple of days. <laughs> uh, yeah, so back and forth, just getting immersed in the Conti Cup. Fantastic. Well, talking of which, let's head into the Conti Cup. A breakdown then as to how the competition works. 23 teams from the WSL and the Championship make up the competition. The teams start out in groups, four in total, two northern groups and two southern, with teams only playing each other once. Yeah, the top two from each of the groups proceed to the quarterfinals and then the competition follows a more traditional structure, doesn't it, Sophie? It, it does. It goes into to a straight knockout which is by far and away much more exciting. Yes. Um, <laughs> it, it, it can just be a little slow. Sometimes the group stage, uh, they, you end, end up with dead rubber, you end up with a lot of mismatches, which it, it's not terribly bad for second-tier teams, but it helps if, say, they're the home team and they can draw in a big crowd. If they're away, it just makes it harder for them. I think this bit is it, anybody who's watching any of these matches and they end in draws, I think this is most important that people get their head around that bit because it's got a unique point scoring system. So games that end in draws that go to penalty shootouts straight away at the end of 90 minutes, the team who wins on penalties gains two points, whilst the team who loses on penalties still receives one. And I, I have to get my head around that. Yeah, well, it did happen in one of the games this weekend Bit of a nut system, though, Sophie. It's a bit odd, isn't it, to sort of break the rules of football by awarding points for losing a game? Well, technically they're drawing. Mm, yeah, I, I suppose so. I, you know, I think that the shootout is just there so that you end up with some, you know, a, a clear winner, even though it's been a draw, just to avoid any kind of ties at the end of the the group stage. I guess it keeps it all clean, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but what you're saying is basically for, for WSL clubs, it's a pretty often a pretty easy route for them through these group stages. Most often, maybe there is a few, uh, an exception or two after this weekend. Interesting. Well, we aren't going to go through every single match in intense detail, otherwise we'll be here till next week, as much as we'd love to. And we like being in a in a different sort of basement with Sophie, <laughs> high up. Um, anyway, uh, let's kick off the glamour tie of the round, if we can call it that. This is the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. Well, Chelsea returned to Kings Meadow for their home tie against West Ham, where second-half goals from Bethany England and Goro Wrighton saw them run out two nil winners. Next up for Chelsea in the Conti Cup is a trip to Crystal Palace in October. Should be a good one. Hoops, talk about the performance, though, from Chelsea. What do we see? The first 45 minutes was very cagey. They weren't, they weren't great. They weren't at the races at all. I, I thought that there was a bit of measuring each other up in that first 45. It was really obvious to me as well that Emma Hayes afterwards tweeted on social media to say about the standard of the league and how it is now such a high, you know, it's gone up a level, gone up a bar. Mm. And I think this was an example of that because I think they did find it difficult in that first half. I thought that the goals themselves, you know, it's great to see Bethany England scoring again. You've, you've got great players coming in, but half Half of my eye was on the bench as well. It was great to see Frank Kirby back on the bench. She actually got some time. She came on just after the hour mark. So to return from such an injury, having the, the, the Lionesses coming back in like her into the side is exciting going forward. What's your take on Chelsea for this season, um, Sophie? And also West Ham, although the scoreline obviously favoured Chelsea, they did make a really good account of themselves, West Ham. And that follows on really from their performances in the league this season. I think, I mean, in terms of Chelsea, maybe we're going to see a little bit more like we did last season, where they're struggling for goals, even though that's exactly where they should be thriving. I'm, I'm not sold on them. I, I was at Stamford Bridge. I watched them against uh, Spurs. And again, it's they should be scoring more. But at the same time, Spurs could have had something from that game. So I'm not entirely sure where they're going to finish. But 
maybe they'll end up growing into the season a little bit more. I think it could be that case of, of them finding their feet a little bit more this season and then they it might just all click and then everything will happen. Well, on the pitch for this one, West Ham defend a friend of the podcast, I think we're allowed to say, Jilly Flaherty. She joins us on the phone now. Jilly, can we start by getting some reaction to that match from your point of view? How did you think it went from a West Ham perspective? I think it was frustrating um, in regards to not coming away with anything from the game. I think we need to learn quickly at this level that we need to start taking our chances because we had uh, quite a few uh, yesterday to, to put away. But I think if you're looking at where we are now compared to where we were last year, I think we were at a time last year where we just got done by Man City 7-1. Um, mm. So we're in a much better place than what we was last year. We're a much better team than what we was last year and I think it's just literally, it's just that, like Beardy said, the the small details and, and taking our chances. And that's evident, isn't it, Jilly? I suppose from uh, last year reaching the FA Cup final to then building on that and um, really being quite competitive this year. Certainly, the, the side have held a good account of themselves. How's the atmosphere and the approach of the team this season? differed to what you experienced last season is there an extra buzz because it seems to be a lot more competitive in this league as well yeah I mean there's obviously an extra buzz but there's also um, quite a bit more pressure on us this year we we don't want to be a one team wonder that managed to get to one FA Cup final and then we sit mid-table for the rest of the time in our league do you know what I mean We're I'm a winner the, 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 this team have got winners Beardy the winner and for us we, we want to be pushing up the right end and I think over if you're looking at the game against Arsenal, you're looking at the game against Birmingham and then Chelsea. That I think teams are realising that you know what they they are a good team. Like the West Ham, we have got good foundations. We we have got very creative players, and we've scared both Arsenal and Chelsea. Um, and I think now is the time we're actually getting the the respect that we deserve. In terms of new signings, are, are there any of the new crop that you've particularly taken a shine to? <laughs> Yeah, I think um, I think Martha Thomas. Um, she's the uh, the number nine for us. She's she's incredible, uh, and I'll tell you this now, and I'll say this to anyone that she will she will be an international player. Whether it obviously she's got several countries, I think that she can play for. But for me, she's she's got everything. She can hold the ball up. She can finish. She's got pace. She can turn a player. Um, and for me, having to train against her every single day is. It's nice when I see that Beardy don't put her in the same uh, opposite team for me. Do you know what I mean? I, I like it when I ain't got a marker <laughs> um, because she um, she makes it very hard work for me. But yeah, she's definitely one to watch and 100% she should be playing at international level. The other players that we've brought in, they've got a wealth of experience. You're looking at Kenza Dali, played for Leon, Katerina as well, who's been at Wolfsburg. So got young Jacinta. Um, I'm not Go on, say her last name. Her. Hang on, Julie. So, so listen, <laughs> one of my questions for you was, okay, wait for it, drum roll. Jacinta Galabadarachi, do I get top yeah. marks for that, Jilly? That's, that's spot on. <laughs> so what's the team's nickname for her? Because oh, yeah, she, come because on, you, shorten it for you us. Neither, neither you nor the shirt makers should be able to deal with that surname. Well, I'll just call her Jazz. Um, <laughs> we'll I'll go with that. Short and sweet. But any time I do have to say a surname, I'll just say like, She doesn't find that insulting at all. No, she, well... She she knows not to say anything to me either. She's got a. Uh, she's got. We got a glimpse then, Jilly. We got a glimpse into you as a as a captain <laughs> there. Jilly Flaherty, West Ham captain there.
Next, let's shift our focus onto the Conti Cup holders, Manchester City. They're looking to retain the cup and they got off to a flying start with a 5-0 win against championship outfit Leicester City women. A brace for City's Caroline Weir and Pauline Bremer. So, Kate, was it as easy as it sounds there? Not much for City to complain about with this one. And it just goes to show we, we were concerned, weren't we, pre-season where City's goals would come from and we've been answered in this game. Just to talk about the match overall, and you mentioned earlier how the likes of Chelsea and Arsenal don't really get into gear or perhaps need to get into gear until the second half and that was the case with this game as well. Uh, City were 1-0 up thanks to Caroline Weir at half time but in the second half really is where they inflicted most of the damage with another goal from Caroline Weir two from Pauline Bremer as well. I think the key thing to point out from this game, City fans satisfied with it but also happy to see a few of the new signings as well Uh, Nick Cushing using the opportunity to bed in some of his younger players and I'm sure there's one eye on Wednesday's Champions League clash for them as well. Tyler Toland wanted to mention her Ireland international. She's 18, born in 2001. This is where I start to get depressed about when people were born and how young and talented they are. She's just signed for City. And another midfielder, Jess Park, um, linked up really well with Pauline Bremer, actually. Nice cross in for Bremer's first goal. She's 17. She got her chance. It feels like, as well, Sophie, don't you think that they're very Man City-esque in the wealth that they've got in attack and midfield again. It's a little bit reminiscent of what the men's team do as well, by loads of midfielders. It's a strategy that works for them. Um, I think that they're, they're, they're quite different from, from Guardiola's City um, because Nick Cushing is just such a different manager and where, he, where possible he always tries to promote and, and showcase and bring up young uh, British talent as, as well, even though we have seen some more marquee signings. But they're they're really starting to hit their stride in terms of depth, which is somewhere they haven't been fantastic over mm. the last few seasons, despite still taking home plenty of silverware. <laughs> Pauline Bremer as well. Tell us about her. We mentioned last week that she she signed for City a couple of years ago now, but but really been sort of beset by injury issues. She broke broke her leg really badly, I believe. But suddenly she's scored two in the league two in the Champions League and now another two. So that's six goals in just over a week, right? Was she always expected to do this well? Is she coming into her own? Tell us a bit more about her as a player. Well, when when she left Lyon, the Lyon fans were quite sad to see her go. And it was that swap deal, wasn't it, between with Lucy Bronze, I think. Yeah, Lucy Bronze went to Lyon and Bremer came to uh, City, I think. I think it was, it was all involved and it didn't feel like City were just losing a great player. They they gained Bremer and I think quite a few of us were hopeful that she was going to hit uh, hit the ground running and... Um, from memory and I'm a bit hazy so you have to forgive me it's a long-term knock-on effect of being in a basement for a month (laughs) Uh, I believe she actually was scoring goals as she was just coming into the city team scored in the same match she broke her leg um, mm. so she's like yeah no Um, and it's taken her a long long time to come back she was a little bit like a little bit maybe like Bambi on ice uh, at first we weren't quite sure if she'd come back properly or how she was doing and then she's gone brace 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 so we we think she's settled now (laughs) the fact that she broke her leg in a game where she also scored that might have been on Caroline Weir's mind because it would explain her facial expression (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't it I suppose so did anyone see this yeah I mean I don't know whether that had any effect on it. She looked more like my nine-year-old who'd been got out of bed and told to pose for a, for a, <laughs> a family photo. Um, really nice picture of Caroline Rear. Just, just 
let's just explain it, Sophie. Uh, well, she's um, it's just it's the picture Man City put up when she scores a goal. It's it's her holding the the badge out on the shirt. She she looks like a lot of teenagers look when when you tell them to smile. You know she she's a fantastic player. She's she, she's she's a great person, and um, yeah, it's just a really strange strange image because she looks kind of miserable. <laughs> but it's also strange that they put it out. Yeah. I don't think I'd be very happy. They're at muddy knees if yes. we had that going. I think you'd you know if you were running Man City Women's Twitter feed, <laughs> I think you'd probably can we take another one? Try and yeah. encourage yeah to think twice. Okay, let's move on to last season's Conti Cup runners up Arsenal who put in a dominant performance away at London City. Beth Mead scored her first hat trick for the club. Plus there were goals from Jill Rod and Emma Mitchell, which means Arsenal top group and already have a goal difference of plus five. Lynn's many changes to the Arsenal team, just bearing in mind that Champions League fixture this week. Yeah, and as mentioned earlier, it's something that I think we were expecting to see with different teams is to rotate one of the highest number of changes. Arsenal made six changes in total compared to that win against Man United. And it was nice because you had some first starts of the season. Emma Mitchell, who got on the score sheet, was one of them. Pauline Payroll-Magnin. PPM. Pauline, who I've been told I can call PPM because my French isn't very good, as you know, from the World Cup. So PPM Uh, and Melissa Phyllis as well uh, made a start. Um, I guess the story of this, though, was Beth Mead getting a hat trick, especially since she's been playing more wide rather than down the middle, because I, I actually questioned on this podcast two weeks ago whether she was going to become more of a provider than a scorer and then she went and did this and answered uh, me. So is that a concern that you've had? I think there are a lot of people, especially from from my Sunderland days, who say she should be, she's she's a centre-forward, player through the middle, and then you say, well, Arsenal also have Vivian and Medima, so it's a little tough. And she, Mead has been, been playing fantastically out wide, uh, sort of flanking uh, Medima with, uh, with Daniel van der Donk. And you don't really want to mess up that that forward, that front three, but uh, yeah, when you when you play her through the middle, she's going to score you goals, and that's that's nice and for Phil Neville to know. And that first goal in particular, where she weaved past two defenders and scored, I actually thought that was reminiscent of her Sunderland days. And she may there may be a part of her that misses having that out and out role. I wanted to mention Jill Rod too. In terms of summer signings, and where are you on this, Sophie? I would say she's up there as one of the best summer signings that happened. She came from Bayern Munich. I mean, that's her second goal since joining Arsenal. And I just think she looks the part. I'm a big fan of Jill Rod. I've been for a few years. She's very, very good. Um, and she's very, very tall. Uh, but no, she, uh, she, she's great. Uh, what we saw uh, in the previous match when uh, Arsenal were away to Man United, she was playing more of a defensive role. She gets lost there. If you put her higher up the pitch, which is a little tough because Arsenal have a lot of quality up there, you put her up, she's going to score goals, she's going to connect well with her Dutch teammates as well because she's got quite a good partnership with Viv, playing in the national team, uh, national team playing in the, the youth teams as well with her. But yeah, she's, she's a great signing, a, a little bit of a coup for them. Let's move on to a five-goal game. Liverpool 2, Sheffield United 3. A huge result for Sheffield United this one. Jade Pennock hit a 94th-minute winner as the championship side came from behind twice to win at Liverpool. That's right, Lynn. Some great goals in this one too, especially Sheffield United's Maddie Cusack, who squared things up on 87 minutes before another good one, as you mentioned, from Jade Pennock, who got the winner. Uh, Here's women's football journalist and media don at Sheffield United, Rich Laverty, to take us through the game. Rich, a great result for Sheffield United and a little birdie tells me, in other words, Sophie Lawson, that you were buzzing off your face at the end of the game. So I'm guessing you you and the club were very pleased as well. 
Yeah, I mean, you don't go to a WSL team and, and win every day, especially when you score, you know, when you, you're trailing 2-1 in the 87th minute and then you score two absolute screamers. Mm. So I think... Um, I think we, I think we deserve to enjoy that one for the, uh, for not just the result, but you know the performance and obviously the way it, it unfolded. It was, yeah, it was a fantastic day for for everyone and a lot of justification for the hard work you know that the players are putting in, that Carla's putting in, and yeah, it was just a great day all round. Just take us through the game and why it worked for Sheffield United. Tell us how it clicked. I think it worked because I think firstly we've got a very very good team. I think it's a team that. There's so many players in there, especially the ones that we signed this summer that have got WSL experience. They train hard, you know, their, their fitness was good. You know, even though we we don't train, obviously, as much as Liverpool, it didn't show during the game. Mm. And I think it was it's just a product of a lot of hard work. And we didn't look out of place, you know. We, we probably had the most chances and it was probably just their little bit of experience, their little bit of know-how that got them 2-1 up. But yeah, it was just a sort of a never say die kind of, you know, lower league attitude, I suppose, in terms of the last 10 minutes, we kind of went really aggressive. We, we kept pressing them. And like, yeah, I mean, the two goals, you know, were, were kind of once in a lifetime goals. They probably wouldn't go in again. But, you know, Maddie's equaliser was, you know, a curler from 25 yards that went in off the bar. And then Jade's winner was, I think I had my stopwatch on at the end. And I think there was 12 seconds left and she's just dinked it over the goalkeeper into the corner and, yeah, everyone went a little bit mad. I think Carla was on the pitch at one point. Um, so I genuinely think the team deserved it for the chances that they had. Anyone not aware of Sheffield United at the moment, so new to the championship, they were playing down a tier in the Women's Premier League last season. But just across the board generally, Rich, why do you think the teams that have been promoted are coping so admirably with it? Because that's, you know, Spurs women as well, West Ham. We've seen quite a few examples of them just adjusting really well. Yeah, I think it's it's easy to say, but I think it's the investment. I, I think you expect, you know, when Yeovil came up, obviously they found it difficult. Reading found it difficult for a while. Donny Bells obviously found it extremely difficult. But teams that are well backed, like West Ham, like Tottenham, like Man United, I think it's a product of good coaching. You know, I'd never take that away from obviously with the job that Casey's doing, the job that Karen and Juan have done at Tottenham, and you know, everyone knows Matt Beard's a fantastic manager. He's won that league twice before. But I think it's just, you know, it's the, it's the money they're putting in. Tottenham have signed good players. You look at their team and players like Gemma Davison, you know, was an England international not so long ago. Um, Matt Beard's always had a good eye for, for foreign talent. He's built a good team. And, you know, Manchester United is Manchester United. I don't think anybody expected them, you know, to come up and struggle. And it puts pressure on the other teams. It puts pressure on the Bristols and the Brightons and the Birminghams now to to try and invest as much as they can because, you know, they don't want to go down and one team will go down this year. Women's football journalist Rich Laverty there. Sophie, what's the story at Liverpool for you? Vicky Jepson laying into the officiating last week after the league game, clearly very frustrated. What do we take from that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that. Sophie's like... Rrr. I think if you go back a couple of years when Liverpool were, were top of the table, they just kind of hit they just kind of stayed there for a bit. Whereas everyone around them was progressing, they stayed in one place, which then forced them to go down. They they had, a, obviously, this, the disruptions when they lost almost all their first team. When Scott Rogers left, they brought in Neil Redfern. He didn't hang around for too long. Then then you had Chris Kirkman taking over before Vicky was, was appointed. So there's been a lot of, of upheavals. They've 
potentially not got the best squad in in the league because they don't have the biggest budget, but they do try and promote youth as well. Uh, obviously, Jepsen's passed with, with youth teams that she's probably one of the best poised for that. But I think it's going to be a long time before we see, or a long investment before we see Liverpool back up, challenging for the WSL title. But I don't think it's it's panic stations just yet. I think now a team that I thought was showing much promise, but it, this is always the case. I always just get proven wrong because it wasn't a good day for Tottenham at the Hive. They lost four nil to Reading, Sophie. What did you think of that first of all? I was very surprised to see that uh, when it popped up because I was at uh, Spurs' first two matches against Chelsea, then against um, Liverpool. So that that was really rather jarring. Uh, evidently, I'm their good luck charm, and, and that's why they... <laughs> no, um, Reading, Reading are a good team. They're very experienced. Spurs, they've taken a big step up. They've brought in a lot of new players. This stuff does take time, whether it's all the new players integrating together or with the old ones as well. It's about they've got to find their balance. They've got to find the, mm. who they are. I think they're, they'll be absolutely fine. But uh, You know, yeah. again, first half for Spurs, they had a couple of good chances. Gemma, Gemma Davison with one, Rosella Ayan with another. And, and it was 1-0 at half time. So it was, again, one of those cases where, where I think going into the second half, they would have been happy and confident that they could claw something back. And it all fell apart, really, in the second half. Just, you know, Spurs are going to rue their, their chances missed. And Juan Amaros said after the game, you know, he, he alluded to that as well. It's hard because that's a really hard scoreline. 4 nils a really convincing win for Reading. And I know from their perspective, Kelly Chambers, especially after um, last week when they were beaten by City 2-0, Kelly Chambers was really desperate to prove a point because she got her tactics wrong in that game. And she pretty much admitted it and she was out to prove a point this time. And she really did. It's just unfortunate for, for Spurs that they ended up you know, being pretty much trampled upon by Reading and that they made defensive errors to lead to those goals. Moving on, Birmingham exacted revenge for their opening WSL defeat to Everton by beating them 1-0 in the Conti Cup. Rachel Williams scored the club's first goal of the season, a header from Lucy Staniforth's cross in the 73rd minute. So they are off, up and running now, mm. Birmingham City. No longer goalless for the campaign. Lindsay, how did Everton do, considering that they're really performing well in the league? Well, they might feel like they were a bit unlucky, although I would say that Birmingham's performance was brilliant in this match. However, you know, Chloe Kelly, who we spoke to in one of the podcasts recently, who scored those brilliant rocket goals, she had a couple of other efforts, but Hannah Hampton in the Birmingham goal was brilliant. She she made a couple of excellent saves. There was also a legit claim later on by Gabby George for a penalty that was waved away, so they mm. might feel hard done by for that. However, I do want to shine a light on Rachel Williams because we've got so many new players coming into WSL. We've spoken on this podcast about some of the incomings from Europe and the younger ones coming through and very rarely lately have we spoken about the sort of stalwarts of the, the league and Rachel Williams is one of them and that header that she scored from Lucy Staniforth's cross is just it's just a striker's finish and she's a great header of the ball. She's been scoring goals and has been loyal to Birmingham for many many years and I really enjoyed watching her in this match. I thought it was great to see her perform so well. Well, let's hope there are many more now that Birmingham are off the mark goal-wise. Sophie, uh, you were at Lewis for the All-Championship Conti Cup clash against Crystal Palace, who secured their first win of the season, 3-2 to them. Uh, the match notable for drumming. <laughs> and the retirement of Lewis legend Kate McIntyre. Yeah, um, you know, I, I always follow the glamour. 
So I, I headed straight for Lewis. Um, and this was the second time that you'd been to Lewis within the space of... Is there something going on down there for you? Because <laughs> you wanted to go again, I hear, after like a day. So I, I, I was told to try the pies. Oh, um, okay. I, I, I actually didn't get around to it. I, you know, I've just been um, trying to write something on the club. So I thought, as they're known for equality, I'd give a men's match down there a go as well. Um, I regretted it, but we move on from that. Um, yeah, it, it was it was an interesting game. Uh, great drumming. Uh, two so sets. Is this a special sort of band, a, a kind of Lewis Barmy army that that rocks up to every tie, or were they something special for this clash? I, I think they're they're there every match. I, I definitely need to double check that. I think they're there every match, and and they they don't drum all the way through. Just uh, before kick off. Half time, start the second half, and full time. But uh, they've also got a little brass band as well that gets in and uh, they play behind the the goals that Lewis are attacking. Nice. And uh, they're still singing their chant all the way through, so it's, they create a, a really really nice atmosphere. So in terms in terms of players, um, I, I'm thinking about you know those surveys you used to do when you're at university. How satisfied are you with your or at jobs? Like how how happy are you at work? <laughs> Are they coming out on top? Because they seem to be this team that they're having equal everything and they're, they're making the right stances. And does that that also come out across the pitch and in terms of in terms of sort of players' contentness? I, I think, yeah, they've signed a, a few players this summer and getting Zoe Ness down from, from Durham was, was quite a surprise. But they're a nice club. They're, there's, there's something very wholesome and very mm. friendly and welcoming about, about Lewis. And they've got a, a great manager in, in Fran Alonso. I think people want to play for him and they want to play for Lewis. And it, it just, it all kind of culminates well and you do have yeah. a lot of content players, even if it wasn't the best performances by them yesterday. Just a couple of words on the injuries too quickly, because there were two pretty bad ones, weren't there, in the game? Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, both players end up having to go to A&E, which is never a good sign. But there was one, uh, I don't know if it's been confirmed, but it was a suspected broken ankle after a, a stamp. And the word from from the camp that watched it back, they think that it should have been a red card, and it wasn't a, a nice challenge at all. I I can't I can't I haven't seen it back, but um you know I she she's ended up with a dodgy ankle, so that's there's that. And there was also a suspected concussion after a player seemingly got. And again, this is what I heard yesterday. I ha- I can't confirm it. Seemingly punched in the head at a corner. Wow. Well, a statement from Lewis says both players who were taken to hospital have the all clear. Thank you to everyone who's checked in and for your well wishes. All right, let's complete the Conti Cup roundup then. Well, there was only one match which went to penalties. Remember, this is what happens after the draw. Uh, and that was between Coventry and Blackburn. It ended one all after 90 minutes. It was Cov who came out on top in the shootout. They won 4-3, collected two points to Blackburn's one. I still don't know about teams picking up one point for that. But anyway, uh, in the most northern of matches, Durham faced Championship League leaders Aston Villa. The host Durham won 3-0 thanks to a double from Molly Sharp. Charlton took on WSL's Brighton and two penalties for the higher-ranked side saw Brighton come through 3-0. Uh, Rene Hector will not be happy. Mm, and finally, Bristol defeated London Bees 3-0 as well. Quick word for another bizarre goal celeb graphic on Twitter. Carla Humphrey, uh, she basically... Uh, gets her nose tweaked and her belly button tickled by two other players. It's perhaps the weirdest leaning towards orginess goal celeb graphic I have seen because they're just basically messing around with her, aren't they? I'm not sure we need it, do we? Uh, I, I mean, I would, I would have thought technically it was a menage a trois, not an orgy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
yeah. True. It was yeah. They they know they have some good goal gifts, but that was a really strange one to uh, pop up. Check out Bristol City's Twitter feed for that one. And whilst you're at it, head over to Man City Women for the uh, Caroline Weir Moody shot. You're listening to the Offside Rule WSL Edition from Muddy Knees Media. Well, we can't miss an opportunity having the Attenborough football in. I hope you can do some commentary over this. Uh, We thought it was time as well to look at how some of the homegrown players are doing abroad. So I think the first place to start is France, Lyon. Um, I noticed that Nikita Paris and Izzy Christensen were unused subs, but Lucy Bronze and Alex Greenwood, they started fullbacks um, against PSG. Yeah, when you're Lyon and you have, I mean, they've got a first team, they've got a second team of subs. You know, they're in European competition as well. It doesn't matter if they're scoring nine, ten goals. Mm. Yeah, it, it takes out players. So you can you can rotate to your heart's content if you, if you feel you on. And this is a new, what is it? A trophy, basically. Tr- yeah. Shall I try it with my oh French? Oh, my God. Hang on. Okay. And this is a new trophy that was announced back in June by the French Football Federation. What's it called, Lindsay? Trophy des Champions. Well, that's not bad, except for you've got to add the feminine oh, okay. on the end. It was meant to take place in August, but couldn't because of um, fixture congestion. Um, so it was played at the weekend instead. Uh, ended one all and uh, had to go to Penn's. Leon winning after Penn. Um, but interesting, I think, Sophie, to ask whether there's any hope for any other side in the whole wide world, being that Leon were held to a draw in normal time. If you go back, and I guess it's three seasons now, to uh, the Champions League final in Cardiff between Leon and PSG that took place about a week after the Coupe de France final between Leon and PSG. <laughs> The, the, the Coupe de France went straight to penalties. The Champions League final went to extra time and then penalties. Leon won both. Uh, so they have quite a good history of beating PSG uh, from the spot. But if they can be held, and you know, PSG know how to do it because they play them a lot. It could come down to goal difference, couldn't it, this? Because like Leon have scored 20 goals so far. PSG have scored 17. They're both top of the, the division if we're go- moving away from this trophy for a second. So if you look at that from the opening three games, and, and the thing I would say is Buhadi in goal, she is, she is prone to the odd she, clangor. I think the, the the complaint a lot of people have with 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 Buhari is she loses concentration, mm. which is fine if you're behind when you're in R and Griezmann and they're playing well because you're not really going to get tested as much. But she's already conceded. Uh, Leon already conceded uh, three times this season, and they they can go whole seasons where they only concede once or twice, mm. and they're only a couple matches matches in conceded three times. I feel for the the purposes of balance that we also must mention Bordeaux because we're saying, oh, Leon and PSG, but after these three opening matches, they haven't dropped a point either, but they're not the ones that people are talking about. Maybe they should be. Mm, maybe um, they should be. They, 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 they have improved. They brought in uh, Pedro Martinez Losa, who people will know from, from Arsenal. He's, he's coaching them now. They signed uh, Bunny Shaw as well. She's... Khadija Shaw, yeah, yeah, obviously was meant to do huge things at the, at the World Cup and did a little bit of it, but we didn't really see the best of her, did we? So be interesting to see how she gets on. Let's head over to Spain, a turn up for the books this weekend as reigning champs Atletico Madrid travelled to Barcelona, but it was the home side coming up trumps, winning 6-1. Atleti went ahead after two minutes, but six goals later, including two own goals. What a shocker. The Catalan team were worthy winners, uh, just under 4,500 at the game for this one. Totally flips the table around this result, doesn't it, Sophie? So what's going on here? Barcelona are a good team. 
Mm. Yeah. Um, they, they, again, made some really shrewd some signings. They brought in Caroline Graham Hansen, who's been fantastic. She's really helping supply and get them ahead in attack. They've brought in Jenny Hermoso from uh, Aleti. You know, they've, they've got Lika Martin still to come back from injury. They don't need her at the minute. They've got Schwala scoring goals. So far. It's, they're just scoring. They're just taking teams apart. They're really exploiting mistakes. And uh, yeah. So Atleti dropped to fifth. Big point, though. Tony Duggan back from injury. So she actually came on 78th minute as a substitute, which is great news. Yeah, it, it's a shame she couldn't have, have helped salvage something, but it's it's a big ask. And I think by that, that, that point, you're a little bit beaten down anyway but yeah it's, it's good news uh we've got to see if she's back in the england squad uh that gets announced from when we're recording that now that gets announced tomorrow but uh yeah it's, it's, it's great to see her back let's move on to italy juventus face sassuolo in their second fixture of syria winning 3-1 with any aluko getting on the score sheet there too juve currently sits second on goal difference to milan uh, fiorentina lost 2-0 to roma this weekend Let's have your thoughts, um, Sophie, on competitiveness in that uh, Serie A feminine. It's getting more competitive. If you go back a couple of years, Fiorentina were the only professional team. At a season later, it's Fiorentina and Juventus. Juventus come out on top. Now we've got Inter up there. We've got AC as well as Roma. You know, we've got more and more professional teams, more diversity in the teams. It's we're getting to the point where we're getting to the cliches of there are no easy matches. So um, in their first match of the season, Juventus were a goal down to Empoli and had to come back. I think they just just squeezed it in pre-lay in the game with one two one. So it's not it's not straightforward for them. Yeah, and if if you're going to imply that some leagues abroad, you know, have got one team dominating or whatever, I don't think you can also look past Germany much because Wolfsburg have literally had a perfect start. Head coach Stefan Lurch has extended a contract this week to 2021. So that was a fourth straight win in the in, in a row for them. And I wonder if that's the league where there could just be this runaway leader. Um, at the moment, they're just they're three points ahead of Hoffenheim, Bayern, and Frankfurt. But of course, we're so early in the season to already have a lead like that. I mean, uh, Hoffenheim were going big guns. They actually scored, oh, seven goals, I think they put past uh, Freiburg on Friday. That's Hoffenheim's only, only loss. Um, whereas Munich actually dropped points to Bayer Leverkusen, who we usually expect to be around the relegation zone. And that was last week. So I think every team has their weaknesses that can be exploited because it is generally a very competitive league, bar the seven nils, except for Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg just find a way they might just hit their stride and, and gallop off, leaving everyone in the dust as they scrap out between themselves, yeah. Well, there is Champions League action this week, so just to round that up, Arsenal take on Fiorentina and uh, Man City, Lugano, but both ties pretty much as good as over because of the scorelines. Uh, Juventus take on Barca, that's one to look out for. Barca 2-0 up, and the second leg is in Spain. Before we end, FIFA's The Best Awards are on Monday evening. Um, lots of people like the red carpet look. I always like to see how just, all these footballers scrub just, up outside football. I just, I, I don't like the name of this. It's like, you're the best we can get. Da, da, da. It's, it's, it just, it's like something from the 1980s, isn't it, Sophie? Have you got an issue with this? FIFA's The Best Awards. It just, it reeks to me. I, mean, I, I, I just don't like it. I mean, technically, if you if you're giving someone an award, you are saying they're the best. So it's a little bit on the nose. It's mm. just a little bit primary school, isn't it? The best awards. Well, I don't know. Actually, probably primary schools wouldn't like this. The best tag, would they? Because that wouldn't wouldn't be good for the growth mindset. Oh, you know, obviously people could catch this podcast after it's all been revealed, but yes. we'll just quiz Sophie anyway. So women's player, who do you think will get it out of Alex Morgan, Lucy Bronze, who seems to be having that sort of year, and Megan Rapinoe? 
I think Megan Rapinoe. I wouldn't say that she's been the best player this year. I, I, I would still argue that she didn't even have the best of World Cup. She just popped up when she needed to. But her profile has been raised so much, even despite the fact that she was so well-known. Everything that's happened off the pitch. But, but hang on, is this about what's happened off the pitch or is it about what's happened on the pitch? Well, if, the it, if it was about what's happened on the pitch, you've got to question the shortlist to begin with. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh, last year's winner was Marta. A uh, goalkeeper, best goalkeeper, Christiane Endler, uh, Hedvig Lindahl, Sari Van Vienendahl. This is a bit suspicious, isn't it? Because they weren't starting choices, were they, for their own club sides? This this is the issue with when trying to award anything in women's football, especially when there's a major tournament. But uh, I think all three uh, are phenomenal goalkeepers. You're talking about three of the best in the world, but... They also it's basically starting. the Women's World Cup Awards, isn't it, really? Yeah. But another version. We I are mean, sort of saying that, aren't we? Yeah, and yeah, again, because, with the manager, yes. Big Phil Neville, <laughs> Jill Ellis, Serena Weigman. And that, that is incredibly harsh on Petter Johansson from Sweden. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, I loved his lines about carbohydrates and everything else. Who do we think is going to win this one, then? Uh, the, the coach. Uh, Jill. Jill. You it's got to be Jill. You can't win a World Cup and then not win best best coach. Well, we'll be back with more WSLing next week. Until then, catch us on Thursdays with our Offside Rule weekly show. We're at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And to read more from our team, head to OffsideRulePodcast.com. There are two great WSL uh, Conti Cup articles going up in the next couple of days, actually. So watch out for those. Another one as well about uh, Europe. So if you want to check out all of the roundups from, uh, from across abroad, then you can do so. Uh, please give us a rating review us on apple podcasts as well if you can that way more people will find us we've just started out we need this we need the love we need the five stars Uh, sophie please try and avoid bumping into any train windows (laughs) Uh, apparently uh, as well as murderous basements um sophie always manages to clatter her head uh, against a train window so stay stay safe and do buy that helmet sophie your face says to me that this happens a lot these things follow me around not train windows, they don't follow me around. That would be a bit, <laughs> a really bad horror film. Yes, um, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. Can you do your best just to stay alive? Because we'd like you to come on the show again. I'm trying so, so uh, hard. Please do. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget, we're on a separate feed. Please find us and rate us, and we'll speak to you again next week. Bye. You've been listening to the Offside Rule WSL Edition, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. And for more from the Offside Rule, head to our website, offsiderulepodcast.com. <laughs>